0: Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg, along with Stephanie Burke, Lauren Allison, and Science Advisor Matt Moniz. The Silent Assassin has the night off. So it's, it's kind of like a rotating co-host thing now. So Yeah, I guess so. Because we've got the full, the full complement of people now. We can, you know, some people take some weeks <laughs> off and we end up working it all out in the end, except last week we all took off because of the Red right, Sox. Right, right. They decided to have a, a game on the West Coast and screw us all up. And then next Damn week them. we'll be off because next week we have a Legend Trips event. So, yes, we do. And then uh, we have another event coming up in September that we will announce later on in the show. Uh, it's it's not a Legend Trip; it's a separate event. And uh, I think Moni's—you've been up to date with this—the uh, the big TV premiere that'll be happening, the premiere party. You, yes. Okay. I am. All right. I'm glad because you were looking at me kind of like, "Huh? What are you talking about?"
1: So, it took me a second to register the, because they keep okay. changing it. I'm
0: going to say the look on your face belied your knowledge of the situation. So, <laughs> But, yes, we'll have more information about that later on in the show. Uh, I do have a call out for somebody to join us to talk about that. Uh, but if they, you know, they don't make it, we'll share the information for sure. Uh, and But tonight we're going to kick around a, a bunch of different paranormal topics. And we're going to talk tonight, I think we may be, the first interview for the new owner of the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts, also known as the Haunted Victorian Mansion. And uh, I, I, I definitely have some questions regarding the plan that they have in place, but it sounds like it's going to be really cool if everything goes according to plan. Uh, it's it's owned by uh, the, the biggest question that everybody had, and we were talking about this last week at the Ocean State <coughs> Paracon. The biggest question everybody had about this sale is whether or not it was going to go to somebody that would want to have the house open for paranormal research or if it was going to be a private owner. And there were some people that said, gee, I really hope it's a private owner because I hope it's going to be somebody that is going to restore it. And then other people were saying, I hope it's somebody that's going to keep it open for uh, for paranormal research and I hope that they're going to restore it. (laughs) <laughs> so no matter what, the important part is restorations will be done, at least according to the plan. But we'll find out exactly what needs to be done and exactly how they're going to approach that. Uh, but really, this idea is um, it, its kind of the best of all worlds in terms of people that want to still be able to have access to that house but want to see it utilized in a, you know for something more than just sitting empty until a paranormal group asks if they can rent it out for the night. So, it should be active, it should be busy, it should be kept open all the time. Uh, and. It'd be nice
2: if somebody just moved in and loved it too, though.
0: Right. Well, I think, you know, part of the, this process, I mean, they had a great staff. I, I don't want to shortchange, uh, all the people that worked up there, Christina and the crew up no, there. No, no, of course who, not.
2: But that house just. It needs a lot.
0: It does. And I think that, uh, this is. I mean,. It, well, again, we'll get into a lot of it later on but if you if, so, if I said to you you could buy this place uh, for those of us who have been there, we know what it's like for those of us who haven't been there you know our 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 good friend uh, trig photography's Frank grace has tons of pictures up right. on his website trigphotography.com but for those of us that know the location, we know what a deal it was when it went up for sale right but also we knew the amount of work that had to go into it I mean there's no running water in the building. Or at least mm-hmm. it wasn't when we were there, and I don't think anything's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
1: the, the whole roof needs to be replaced, or most of it. Yep. There's a whole bunch of other things that need to be done.
0: Too. Little tinier things too, but all those oh, little those tiny are the major things, things, add things add up. That need to be done. Yeah, there are major things too, but the, all the little tiny things that'll that'll add up too. Those, I mean, you can go in there, you can put in the running water, put in the heat, put in the bathrooms, put in the whole new roof, fix the widow's walk, all that stuff. And then. You still got a lot to this, do. Yeah, there could be all these little things that you weren't anticipating or weren't expecting. So, for people to look at it and saying, yes, I'm going to buy this house and I'm going to move into it,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I think it actually would have been more work to make it livable. But to make it a business, there's but going to be more strident coding.
2: Yeah, it's going to be more work than.
0: More stringent coding, I mean.
2: Or you'd assume more work than just living there so we have it's, to, to code on things.
0: It's, you know, it's really hard to, to figure out exactly which direction was best for the property. But I do think that they have a, a good plan for what they want to do with it, and we're going to see something that will be unique. We'll see something that will be an attraction and a destination point for people to head up to Gardner because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere.
2: Yeah, Not, like n- there's no parking.
0: Well, that's the other thing, too. But we we'll, again, we'll, we'll address all that with, uh, with the new owner, Rocco Conti, who will be joining us coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, we'll also talk about some different paranormal topics. One of the things that's come up over the last few weeks since we were last on the air. I know that Stephanie wasn't here. Right. Uh, and Moniz, you would miss the show as well. Kind of, we, we kind of told you you might want to stay home for your own protection from the show because, uh. My protection. Well, <laughs> well just for everybody's. Uh, because it, it was a different approach to talking about demonology with our guest, June Lundgren, Lundgren uh, who's actually, yes, she is. Her husband is distantly related to Dolph Lundgren. So if her work against He's the watching demons... Watching the Punisher today? If her work against the demons fail, they could always call in Cousin Dolph to come and, uh, and just kick their asses. But uh, Part of the approach that she has is that she works very closely uh, in her... And what she was telling us, she works very closely with the Archangel Michael, and she's had direct conversations with Jesus and with God, and they help her in her battle against demons. But not everybody has that opportunity. Not everybody has that kind of a support network when going up against it. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I wanted to, to discuss a little bit later on in the show is kind of the way that demonology, and even exorcism to a point, have exploded in recent years and we could call in keith and carl johnson who we'll see next week at slater mill at our legend trips event there's still some tickets available go to LegendTrips.com, dot com but uh we could call them in they could talk about the work that they do today we could t- talk to father bob bailey we could talk to our our friend um oh why am i blanking on his name uh <laughs> robin taunton
1: I can't think of his last name. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking
0: Uh, about. But uh, we could could talk with him, uh, and we could figure out all of these. Adam Bly. Yeah, there's so many people that are out there working in the field, Catherine Harris, uh, that are out there going up against the demonic realm on on a daily basis, but they're in it. You know, they're kind of in the thick of things. And I, I just want to approach it from our perspective as kind of, uh, to some degree, observers of the paranormal world, but also, you know, investigators. Uh, I, I want to talk about it from our end in seeing how much of it is really a problem. Because if you ask somebody who is going up against the demonic on a daily basis, how prevalent is it? They will tell you, oh, it has exploded. You know, there's, there's tons of demons everywhere now. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It might just be that there's tons of cases that need their attention, but it might not be something that's influencing all of us. And I also want to talk about this story. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the website Grantland.com. Anybody here? No. no. It's, you know, Bill Simmons. You're familiar with Bill Simmons, the sports writer. Worked for ESPN until he got... I don't think so. Okay. Sorry. Well, the Grantland.com is a website that mixes sports and entertainment and kind of pop culture stuff. And they have an article out where they rank the movie Exorcists. You know, if you were if you were possessed by a demon, which exorcist would you want to call from the movies? And so I thought maybe later on we'd go over that list a little bit and kind of talk about our own ideas from it. As much as we remember the movies, Stephanie will be disqualified from this conversation because she does not watch horror movies at all. I don't.
4: All. Sorry. So, she, she doesn't watch horror
0: movies. She does not like mm, them, no. Nope.
4: And I'm not sorry for it. Is it because
2: you're scared? No, just because I live that life. in my own life, so why do I want to watch
4: something That is true. like that.
0: (laughs) But some of the movies are really good. They are.
4: That's
3: okay.
0: Some of them are just good to watch the journey. No. I watched uh, The New Poltergeist this week. Okay. I I watched the Ouija movie this week. Mm, Nope. And I think that's all the horror movies that I saw.
2: Well, I hope you enjoyed them, but I will never watch them.
0: You didn't even see The Conjuring, did you? Nope. Kristen and I were having a long conversation about The Conjuring earlier right. this week. There was a lot of talk about The Conjuring last weekend.
4: What is The Conjuring about?
0: You haven't seen the film? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I highly recommend that you, uh, that you check it out at least to get, you know, it's a good horror movie. I mean, it, uh, it, it's not factual. It's not 100% factual of the actual case. But we actually had the woman who lived through the case, her family. It was in Harrisville, Rhode Island. We had the woman on the show when the film came out, her name is Andrea Perrin. And our friend Keith Johnson, who's on the show frequently, was actually the original investigator. Him and his brother Carl were part of the original investigative team for that case. And it was basically this spirit took over a farmhouse in Rhode Island and plagued the family that lived there for years. But in the movie, it's this terrifying ordeal that they went through relatively quickly. In actuality, it went on for very many years, and it actually became almost like part of the family. Uh, to some degree, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting the patriarch of the family, Roger Perrin, last week at Ocean State Paracon, and he was... Uh, you, you can tell when he's recounting some of these stories the conviction that he has in, in what they experienced. Now, I don't want to get too much into the drama of things, right? but the new owner, well, the, the current owner of the farmhouse was in attendance at the Q&A panel at the end of the conference, and she was calling out some of the facts from both the movie and from Andrea's books, House of Darkness, House of Light, three-volume series that cover everything the family went through. So it got a little heated. there were some words exchanged back and forth. And and I'm sure that, you know, the the folks from Ocean State Paracon don't want me to... I'm sure talk about the drama too much because that event was all about raising money for the wounded warriors project over $5,000 raised just at the gate alone. So the total for the weekend was something like 8,000 and change uh, to go to wounded warriors. So that was the main focus. That's what you want to take away from that weekend, but it did have that ending. So uh, that's certainly something that I, I would love. And I've mentioned this before. And I know that Andrea Perrin has her own radio show. Mm -hmm. A World Awakening, that she hosts with George Lopez, who was at Ocean State Paracon. But I feel like that is kind of her territory, her home territory, her stomping grounds. And George is a very, you know, being close with Andrea, a very pro-Andrea person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Norma, the current owner, might be not so inclined to go on that show and share the information. I know that Norma wants to come on this show and share her information because she has sent me voluminous notes that she has gathered in her research. Uh, but what I would like to do is I'd like to bring the both of them on and kind of do Moniz. Remember a long time ago we did the Roswell Smackdown? Smackdown. I would, I, I, I'm not saying it has to be that kind of format where it's a, and if you've never heard that episode, go back and check it out. We had Matt Moniz and John Horrigan on opposite sides of the Roswell alien crash debate, and we set it up as like a 12-round boxing match where the two of them just came out. and We scored the rounds. We had people voting on the website, scoring the rounds to see who won the argument. Uh, so it was a lot. Of, we had the sound effects. and everything. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't say we have to go that far, but I would like to just have a, a good discourse and a good debate.
1: Well, it was done fun. It, it wasn't anything, you know, like. At re- right. It wasn't like you guys were
0: actually punching each other in the face afterwards. So, yeah. I mean. There were a few times that it got a little testy, but yeah, I didn't know how much of it was just you guys, you know, playing up for the show, or if it was actually going to devolve into a into at least a little wrestling match here. But <laughs> Monies, I love you, but my money would have been on Horgan. Okay, <laughs> he's a big dude.
1: Okay, he's like, he's, would, it, he's like. You keep thinking that way. Remember where I used to work?
0: That's true, but <laughs> I still would put my money on. He hangs around with like hockey players, so he's he'd be forechecking you into the glass and everything, so. It's, he's like I'm. he's thinking now he's like we need to have round, round two of this now we need to have the second battle
2: well back to the original yes. content um,
0: uh, this is called pimping the archives so that people go back and find them okay, okay. right okay. well
2: sorry yeah. but back to the uh, the original discussion if you had them on I mean here at Spooky we always give everybody a voice whether we agree or not so we'd have to but I don't know if it'll turn out very pretty
0: yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of what we do. We let everybody have their say, and we let people uh, talk about the way they want to talk about it. Now, I'm hearing some talk that there's uh, no video. Oh, you got to change the camera shot, Lauren, on uh, on the screen, because you've just got the logo up now. So on the Minicam app, you can transition from shot to shot away from the Spooky South Coast logo. Oh, okay. See, what's in that big main window there is...
3: Uh,
4: oh, Gotcha.
0: See? It's okay. We have Lauren working the cameras for the first time, so she is, uh, you know, she's new to it. She's learning, which is why...
4: Sorry, everybody. I'm new to this kind of thing.
0: <laughs> we want people to tune in to Spooky TV on SpookySouthCoast.com, and you can tweet about the show using the hashtag SpookyLive. So that's the best way to get a hold of us if you would like to uh, sh- ask a question or if, uh, you know, if if you want to... Join in the discussion, join in the debate as we discuss different topics throughout the show. You can do that by using the hashtag SpookyLive. You can also tweet us directly at SpookySC. You can email us SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can call in 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. So hopefully, you know, uh, if, if you listen to the show on podcast, you'll set aside some time on a Saturday night and join us live. And... Join in the discussion and be social media active with us. Because we like that. We like to know that you're out there listening while the show is on.
2: Yep. Always email us, let us know where you're listening from. We'll give you a shout out on the air.
0: Yep, you can tweet it to us as well. Let us know your name and, and where you're at and we will be happy to plug you. Um,
2: tweet it to at work at Burke because Tim
4: forgets.
0: We need to get you on the at SpookySC Twitter, and we will. By the end of tonight, I will give you the time.
4: I will uh put that out there for everybody to see as well.
0: Thank you. Uh, yeah, because we we can tweet things out as the show goes on as well, so you want to follow along with that. You never know you know, what kind of secret little things we'll tweet out uh, in the course of the discussion. Lauren, I didn't ask you beforehand, do we have a Week in Weird for this?
4: I have two Week in Weirds.
0: Okay, well, we'll just do one.
4: Okay, that works uh, perfectly fine. We'll do
0: a couple of stories, and we will uh, do that, oh, I think uh, right about now's a good time. More bad news. Well, i got a great show for you
1: today with some wonderful weird stuff.
3: I feel, I feel so very
0: weird. The weekend Weird. And uh, just to let everybody know, by the way, if you are watching on Spooky TV, uh, you might need to refresh your browser to get the video exactly where you need it. So now we go, we get a little weird. We have some strange news stories. Take it away, Lauren.
4: Okay, guys. Well, it's my segment, Weekend Weird. Uh, today, July 25th, 2015. Um, okay, so this story, I get off HuffPost. Um, and I thought it was hysterical. I actually said this stuff before. Um, it says, couple caught having sex in phone booth. Uh,
1: Is it Superman? <laughs> they still have phone booths?
4: Well, this is in England. This was in England. Oh, so it was
1: uh, a TARDIS? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, it was a clear one. You could see right through it. Yes, you could actually see, like, the girl's butt. So.
2: oh, well, you can see more than that, I'm sure.
4: Yeah. So, anyways, it says, uh, must have been a person-to-person call. A British couple was recently photographed having sex in a phone booth and broad daylight by a passerby. This, uh, The picture went viral, and the couple, 30-year-old Gavin Wayne and 40- 41-year-old Lisa Curley, yeah, I think that's how you spell it. Carly? Carly? Um, gladly dished on their connection to SWNS. Wayne said the two both owned aquariums and were shopping for fish in <laughs> Staffens, Stafford Staffordshire before taking a detour to buy some beer at the market. It was a hot day and the, move, and the booze must have got, better, got the better of us, he said. We were passing the phone box and laughing and joking, and I said to Lisa, fancy a quickie? <laughs> the proud peer reenacted and, and discussed their July 17th tryst in a more family-friendly video for SWNS, but at least one witness who saw the real deal wasn't amused. They said, you expect this kind of behavior from dogs, but not people. The onlooker told Metro. Several other witnesses recorded the incident. The news site added, We really didn't think anyone would notice, Wayne said in the sun.
0: Well, I'd, I'd love to be able to comment on that, but I wasn't paying attention because I was looking for the pictures. I was trying to find maybe there was some, there, there. some video online. So...
4: Um, I can hold up my phone. And... No, that's
0: all right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> then I'll be too distracted. I won't be able to pay attention
3: to the show. But...
0: <laughs> that's not the first time. that uh, I've, uh, See, we come from this place that's called Wareham, Moniz and I. <laughs> And in that place called Wareham, this is not anything really all that surprising. I mean, if we found a phone booth, it would be surprising. There is that one over by the motel. Yes. Well, that's but it hasn't why had a, it's a, there. It hasn't had a phone in it for years. But the phone booth is still there with a light in it and everything.
4: Obviously because of that reason. So
0: maybe maybe that's what will happen on the way home.
4: So you mean to tell me that this happens even in
0: America, huh?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and in southeastern Massachusetts.
0: She, she's too innocent for the show. Yeah. Hmm
4: to <laughs> break her in. We, we have to warp her
0: <laughs> mind a little bit more. Yeah, you
4: have to break me in. Like, show me, like, I don't know, just throw me into something. Just, just
3: know, Show I me should... some people
0: having sex in a phone yeah, booth. Yeah,
4: if you show me people having sex on a phone booth, I'm sure I would be like, oh. We'll okay.
0: we'll, we'll figure it out. All right, uh, do you have another, just a real quick one?
4: Um, I do. This one's kind of funny. Um, It says, urine-proof paint returns fire on peeing perps. In the hot, sticky sticky summers of many of American cities, the smell of urine can be all too familiar. Oh, what what is it doing? Oh, okay, sorry. Um, San Francisco is peeing back at public urinators by painting its walls with UV-coated urine-repellent paint. Local TV station KPX reports the paint is so hydrophobic. That it keeps the wall clean and sprays urine right back at its offenders. Which is kinda
0: weird. Well that's weird. That, I know I I know that feeling well.
4: <laughs> we are piloting it <laughs> to see if we can discourage people from peeing at many of our hot spots. Public worker public works director Mohammed Neuro told uh, SFGate, SF Gate, Nobody wants to smell urine. We are trying to We are trying different things to try to make San Francisco smell nice and look beautiful. San Fran, which CNN reports has a bad whiz kid problem. So I take it a lot of little kids like... Public peers. Yeah. Uh, Got the idea from Germany, whose hard partying city of Hamburg can smell like a sewer each morning. Um, Julia Saren, who organized the city's pant campaign... San Francisco Public Works has received 375 requests to steam clean Pico Wall since January.
0: Well, I can tell you one place where this would come in handy, and it's a place that we go kind of frequently, and we'll be going back to soon. That we'll have an announcement forthcoming, but uh-huh. that they should paint all of Battery Milliken yep. in that paint. <laughs> I <Yep>. think. <laughs> there, I mean, there's a lot of places around here that should be painted with that. But in terms of the last of time we were walking places, through there.
2: All I kept thinking was, am I stepping in pee? Am I stepping in pee? Am I <laughs> stepping in pee? The
0: answer to that is yes. I'm are.
2: not going to take that as an answer. I'm like, to
0: you, you walk in there and, you know, we walked in there in the summertime and it's steamy and humid and all the moisture is built up on the on the I'm stone dripping walls. From but the but
2: ceiling. It, it's, <laughs> it's not
0: all just humidity, moisture. and
2: Stop it. It's not true. Well, that guy
0: was in there painting, so maybe he was using the urine paint, oh. which I hope not because oh <laughs> I would hate to, like... I'd hate to be there investigating, and have you know, to having an event. No, no, I would never pee in Battery Milliken. Oh, like,
2: where are we going with this? No, I would never do that.
0: <laughs> but I can't guarantee that somebody else wouldn't.
2: Well, then you hope that they would so we can all sit there and laugh when they pee in no, themselves. No, that'd
0: be embarrassing for a guest. I mean, they would be getting what they deserve. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't go to the top of Milliken and maybe, like, pee you know, I I heard off heard a of
2: rumor it. that somebody did that.
0: <laughs> I don't know anywhere that would do such a thing. <laughs> I would always make the long walk back to the public bathrooms.
2: I figured you would. You're a stand-up guy.
0: Right. Well, unless it's early in the morning, then I sit down. I'm getting old. That does it for the Week in Weird for this week. If you have a story that we could use for the Week in Weird, you can just tweet it to us using the hashtag Week in Weird, or just tweet it to us at SC. But I'm going to battle.
4: Or the, they can the tweet cursor. it to me. Actually, don't
0: don't make it difficult. Oh, okay.
4: Boogie we'll, See,
0: we'll forward it to you. Don't worry.
4: Okay. We'll, don't confuse the people now. Sorry, people. I'm not trying to
0: confuse you. All <laughs> right. So uh, that does it for the week, and we're here for this week. Why don't, you, why don't you let everybody know? Because we we've shared our twitters before. Of course, Stephanie's at work at Burke. I'm at Tim Weisberg. I, was, I, was, at, I jumped on that before the, the flute playing guy did it.
4: <laughs> I'm right. at Lauren Melissa ninety seven.
0: And Moniz is, like, looking at Twitter thinking, eventually,
4: sooner or later. <laughs> maybe. He's I, like, maybe the next century. Maybe I have the account. It, right? I just don't
0: know the password anymore.
1: <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> we'll have to reset it. Although I've, I found that I might be able to actually get it on my phone.
0: On on the the phone that was actually made in, in this decade. Correct. Okay. Because you have the two.
1: Yes. I mm-hmm. have mine, which makes phone calls. Yes. And I have my work one, which is controlled by them what I can upload and download
0: but they are like you know what we will let you tweet we'll let you do that because the chances for pornography on that are somewhat slimmer so but Every time he tries to go on Snapchat, he gets called into HR. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, we we will definitely get you tweet. It, what's good about it is you know it, I just
1: got a new laptop, so I may be able to load it on that.
0: Oh, you can definitely load it on that. But I I can teach you how to do it the way I do it, where you can kind of tie all your social media into one, and then it makes it a lot easier. So then you know like. For those who follow you personally on social media, you know, they know that you put up different things, you have different thoughts that you put up there every day. You know, and a lot of that could be tweet worthy if it's hundred and forty characters or less and then people will kinda be able
1: to know that you're there and that they can reach out to you and, and interact with so, you. So translation I will have a Twitter account active in a in a week or so.
0: Maybe. We'll work on it. I'm, I'm not trying to force it on you, but you have to no, do it. Well I got got the new laptop. Might as well play with it. And there's a lot that you can do. There's a lot that we can set up. I actually and i'll talk to you about this off air but i actually purchased a domain name i actually well i didn't purchase it because i'm broke but i <laughs> i used i had godaddy credits that i used to get this website and uh and i've been thinking some different thoughts of what can be done with it and i uh, we'll we'll talk about it we'll definitely have some ideas for it because it's it's a shame it's too good of, i told stephanie it's too good of a domain to let it just go to waste
2: mm-hmm. so
0: but i'm also very lazy so we'll,
2: we'll have to figure it out
0: yeah It'll all come to, to work out eventually, and we're just waiting for our guest to join us. Rocco Conti, he is the new owner of the S. K. Pierce Mansion. Uh, he and his wife have purchased it uh, from Edwin and Lillian. And if you are familiar with the story of the S. K. Pierce Mansion, the haunted Victorian mansion in Gardner, you know Edwin and L- Edwin and Lillian's story. That being that they purchased the mansion, uh, yeah, whatever, probably about ten years ago. Monies, right?
1: More or less? Yeah, I think they're a little bit less, but yeah.
0: And they moved in. It was their dream home. The, you know, they went and looked at it. Lillian fell in love with it. They moved in. And the paranormal side of things had different ideas for them. And after a while, it became so much they couldn't live there anymore. And they still left it open for people to come and rent it out for the night to investigate. We had a Legend Trips event there a couple of years ago with some fantastic experiences happening for people there that night, despite the fact that, you know, it had fallen into a little bit of disrepair. There was no running water. There was no heat. There was no bathroom. Thank you to the company that rented us, let us rent the porta potty to put out front. And so, you know. In the freezing
2: cold weather. Yeah.
0: But the point is, you know, the house got to be, it, it got to be so strong in activity that Lillian didn't feel comfortable there. And they had to go and get a separate residence. And they're trying to maintain both residences, and they know that it's not, doing justice to the mansion so they put it up for sale and they find the perfect owners uh to be able to take it over and we have those owners we have one of them joining us on the line right now we have Rocco Conti hello Rocco how are you hi how are you Uh, thank you for joining us Uh, now is this the first radio interview that you've done about the mansion This would be the first. All right. So this is I've seen a couple of news articles, uh, but this is kind of our chance to really get into the paranormal side of things with you in, in terms of like what the paranormal community wants to know about the plans that you have in mind. And first of all, I want to thank you for stepping up to the plate because when you're looking, when this comes across, you know your 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 focus, when you realize that this place is for sale, you know. There's got to be a lot of research that goes into whether or not you want to invest in this. But I'll ask you this. How did you find out about the S.K. Pierce Mansion and find out that it was for sale?
5: Well, I actually, as a side job, run a traveling haunted circus in New Jersey. It travels around from county to county each year for the last six years. So when the listing came up on Facebook... A friend of my wife's knows that I'm in the haunted house business. Just happened to throw it up on her wall for giggles, being like, "Hey, your husband might get a kick out of this." So it was kind of kind of a joke put up on her wall. I saw it and immediately was taken with it.
0: And when you look at it and you see that the, uh, you know that it's it's this beautiful beautiful building, it's got this rich history. It's a key. Uh, building in the history of the town of Gardner, and it's also become a key point of emphasis for the paranormal community in New England and, and really across the world. So you know going into this that it is a place that a lot of people have an emotional connection to and that if you decide to become the new stewards of that location, then you have to be aware of that and, and be respectful of that as well.
5: I realize right off the bat, just from speaking to a lot of people in town, especially through Facebook, um, how important this house is to everyone and almost see it less as the owner of the house and more as the caretaker of this great home for the community. I realize that every step and every move I make is going to be watched and people are going to want make sure I do the right thing by this house, and I fully intend to do so. So the, uh, the,
0: the business that you run now uh, is called the Dark Carnival. Let people know a little bit about that, about what, what exactly they can expect from, from that aspect of things.
5: Well, the Dark Carnival is the attraction I run in New Jersey. Okay. Uh, back in 2010, I sketched out a 8,000-square-foot circus tent. and we did that, and we've added uh, 12 haunted houses along the years. So we run that show in Bayville, New Jersey this year. Now, that show is not going to be what we're intending to do at the mansion in Gardner. That's just the show that we run in Jersey.
0: So with the Gardner location, though, you are planning, from everything that I've seen, you are planning on running a haunted attraction out of it for one month out of the year.
5: Correct. My intent with the mansion there, first it's going to take us about a year to do a full restoration and preservation on this house. The, ex- uh, the exterior of the house needs a lot of work. Uh, we already got the soffit guy planning to start. He said he'd probably get started within the next two weeks. The soffit job is probably going to take a month alone. From there, we're going to work to the roof, to the power washing, painting, trim work. So there's a lot on the exterior to start. Then we're going to move to the interior. So I, I'm figuring this should all be done probably around March of 2016. At that point, we're planning on opening up for nightly, weekly, and monthly rentals, depending on what people would like to do. Um, for the month of October, we're going to run Haunted Attraction on three nights per week, so just on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it will be 12 nights per year for that month of October.
0: And for that Haunted Attraction, are you going to be bringing in uh, set pieces? I mean, have you given thought to exactly what the motif will be, or are you going to try and keep it as much as it is the rest of the year and just kind of add you know, the, whatever you need to add to turn it into an attraction?
5: Correct. Well, most of our attractions are based on illusion and altered reality. So we're going to bring a lot of that in into this attraction. We're going to use probably from what I'm figuring about 25 live actors. Um, We train our actors. The actors I use in the Dark Carnival have been with me for six years. The majority of them, we use 40 actors in the Dark Carnival. I don't think we'll need quite as many for this. But with a lot of our, we use um, fairly high end props, a lot of uh, video imaging and whatnot. So, It'll play off the theme of the house, of the paranormal theme, so not clowns or anything. that um, Some people on Facebook mistakenly saw my other attraction and <laughs> thought that I'd be bringing that sort of a attraction to Gardner. But like I said in my post, I don't really feel clowns and carnival is appropriate for this location. We're going to try to keep it in theme and the motif of the house, but you know, bring a few man-made scares in there as well.
0: And, and then you said the rest of the time it will be available for for people to rent out as, as a bed-and-breakfast type approach or as or, or for yeah, paranormal despite, investigation?
5: Despite all the talk on the house, there is an extremely high volume of people looking to spend the night there.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: I'm a little scared to spend the night there myself, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, um, yeah, there there's, doesn't seem to be any shortage of people who are uh, – are interested in spending the night. It's See, not going to be a bed and breakfast. There's not going to be any breakfast. It's okay. going to pretty much be like renting the house, So get the entire house, not just the room. You'll have the whole house for yourself for that night or however many nights you choose to, to rent it for.
0: And so that could be people that want to just stay there, that want to use it as, as a, a temporary, you know, like a residence if you want to spend the week up there or something. Or,
5: or- yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm from Jersey. It's a common thing that we do at the shore where someone might say, you know, I want to go to the beach for the weekend, rent a house for two nights. And whatnot, something like that.
0: But also, you know, uh, any paranormal group could also call you up and say, hey, we want to rent the place out for the night so that we can conduct an investigation.
5: Uh, I guess they would also be able to do that. There's just a few um, rules that we'd we'd probably instill about that in terms of, like, Ouija boards and whatnot. Because, I mean, a lot of from what I've read, Uh uh, it seems like a lot of that has brought out a negative energy out of the ghost, and we kind of don't want to get off on the wrong foot with that.
0: Well, it's it's funny that you mention that. And, Stephanie, I heard you kind of, uh you know prepare a con- you you and i were there the last time that yes. we were there i had the ouija board and we we discussed this um i mean your feelings uh, our, our co-host here stephanie burke uh, rocco she's a psychic medium and she's been to the house on a couple of occasions she's been there and she's experienced uh, the spirits that are there i mean stephanie your thoughts I've, on that i
2: personally helped edwin and lillian um on multiple occasions but i have experienced the house i have um made contact with a lot of different spirits in the house um so, I mean, I'll offer the same to you guys if you do have a problem or you have an issue or you need any consultation or anything like that, please feel free to call us. But um, there are issues with that house, with the spirits of the house um, in general. It had nothing to do with the Ouija boards. It had nothing to do with any seance or anything like that. They're already there. Um, so contacting and aggravating them, it was done by different groups, but it didn't bring them in. They were already there to begin with, um, and they still are.
5: Yeah, this could be just my overall lack of knowledge on on this subject matter, to be honest with you. Oh. I only know of some of the books I've read recently. Like I said, the attractions I run are man-made. Right. There's no real paranormal activity. in Dark well, carnival. We, so we when we I can... took this house, I started immediately reading and reading and reading as much as I can. So I'm, all, I'm only new to this, so I'm just learning.
0: Well, we can certainly help you out. Yeah, I we can mean, help yeah. you with anything. We're, we're more, I mean, we've, we've been friendly with Edwin and Lillian for years, and Moniz has been up there. My co-host Matt Moniz has been up there a number of times. We can certainly help you out uh, in at least learning what it is that you'll be dealing with there. Uh, but in terms of dealing with some other, I mean, there's obviously the, the human issues that you have to deal with yeah. uh, in order to run this. And, and one of the questions that I ask is how – open is the town of Gardner to what you have planned? Because I know they had some issues with the way Edwin and Lillian were utilizing the right. Victorian mansion as right. uh, a place for people to come and have events. So how? I mean, have you had discussions with the town about how you know, well, to best to
5: utilize it? Well, my initial, right off the bat, before I even made an offer on the house, I called the building department. I spoke to some people there, and there did not seem to be an issue there. I even explained how I might be bringing a ton of cars in here on the weekend. No, not personally, I'm just talking about the the, sure. the draw of guests that we might get. And he said as long as we could find parking, it shouldn't be an issue. So they cleared me there, so that made me feel better. So right off the bat, after the purchase, this week, Edwin actually put a post up on Facebook. Um, and let me tell you, I've never seen, I've been posting Facebook for the Dark Carnival for years, and I know the kind of response I get. I've never in my life seen a response like this. Our Facebook reach as of an hour ago was of 125,000 views. Wow. And since Wednesday, 125,000 views. I got about 450 comments, and I've been trying my best to answer them all. And i got to say that the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Out of these 400 some comments, I might say four or five were on the negative. A couple of them concerned about where the cars were going to park. And I, I explained to them, listen, there's, there's lots that I've been... Scouting out, and I I see there's ways we can get around the parking, you know, issue, and a couple other people, just terms of uh, disrespecting the entities in the house. Which I was trying to explain. My personal thought was, from again, from the reading I've done, it seems that the entities in the house were concerned about the the state of disrepair that the house was in. I said, we are going to fix it up. We are going to maintain it. We're not going to change the interior or exterior structures at all. Even when I do my attraction, if I create any pathways or hallways, it's only going to be with temporary walls that stand on the floor. Nothing will be drilled into the floor. We're solely intent on not altering this structure at all. So I imagine that would be... A positive thing but like i said i would say four or five negatives out of hundreds well those
0: i know those four or five by name and you're going to keep running into them again and again and that's just the nature of, of being the new stewards of that property because there right. are people who were against edward and lillian in the way that they utilize it and there's going to be people that are always going to be against that but so to clear up one misconception that people have had about that location about that house it is zoned commercial where it is one hundred percent. Okay, so the, there's no issue in that regard. Uh, now the other question is, and it's something that we ran into a problem with with the town uh, when we held our event there, and that's the fact that there are no running water or bathroom facilities, no heat. Is Those that things something? Are there now. I'm sorry.
5: Those things are there now. Okay, so that has been taken care Bathrooms of. Bathrooms are operational. Uh, the heating system passed with flying colors at inspection.
0: Excellent. So then that clears up probably a, a majority of the concerns that a number of people listening might have had. Uh, now, yeah. uh, the parking thing, I mean, it is what it is. There's, you know, you have the school across the street. You have the, uh, the you know, the, the big um, uh, hotel there across the street. You have uh, the pizza place. I mean, there's enough business down there anyway that people are obviously always trying to find parking uh, yeah. in that neck of the woods. So... That was going to be something that you're going to come up against in uh, any way. Is there any plans to alter the exterior of the
5: property to allow no. for more of that? No, not at all. And I, I've made that promise to the community that I was not going to alter this house, and that, that's something I will stand by. And uh, there have been people have mentioned knocking down the house next door, which is a condemned structure, and turning that into a parking lot. But to be honest with you, if I did that, it would only probably free up about 20 parking spaces.
0: And and you'd have to raise a lot of money to, mm-hmm. yeah, to, to and, get twenty
5: parking for, for twenty parking spaces. Uh,
0: and and but, you'd have you'd uh, mean you could you could charge you for much. parking a thousand dollars a car. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> that might help. <laughs> uh, so now with uh, with what you're talking about, with the people being able to uh, come and experience this this uh, haunt that you will be putting in there uh, in the month of October, you mentioned the fact that you will have actors that will be there are you planning on hiring local you, I know you said that you have a lot that have been loyal to you you want to
5: have them come up and be part well, of this forgot my dark carnival will still be running in jersey that's so what i'm my, thinking yeah. my guys are still going to have to be there there's a few of my main guys who have an interest in coming down here maybe one or two of them just so they can kind of help train but i'm assuming that all the actors will be local uh, because that'll be a huge number asking about that as well
0: and and they can kind of serve as uh, you know kind of like your street team as well and, and and help make people more aware of what it is that's going on there
5: exactly i've already started taking names already on, on a piece <laughs> of paper of who I, even though it's for october of 2016 so many people are interested in acting i'm actually listing their names and phone numbers and having them email my uh, um haunted mansion website just to So I keep them on file for next year.
0: So, I mean, how does the conversation go, uh, you know, with your wife and as you're discussing this and and discussing the possibility? uh, When you're looking at this, does the fact that it has this paranormal haunted reputation come up and does it play into the decision? Does it make it more attractive of a property or do you look at that as kind of like a challenge to have to overcome?
5: Definitely definitely more attractive. Okay. Um, Pretty much, let me give you a little background. When I was younger, I always had a dream. Of having a freestanding haunted attraction and in my head this may sound crazy but in my head it looked exactly like this house looks so as i got older i mean this is talking about when i was 15 16 years old as i get older i decided i finally want to put this dream into reality so i started fishing around in new jersey and because of the, i'm not sure if you guys are familiar six flags great adventure used to have a haunted castle in 1982 Mm -hmm. and the regulations were very light back then Castle caught fire and eight people passed away. Because of that, the rules in New Jersey are extremely strict with dark attractions. So when I was trying to start my attraction in 2009, it was a flat no, pretty much. Every building department was telling me, no way, this is not allowed in New Jersey, you can't do it. So I found the loophole was that if I made an open air structure, it would be allowed. So that's why I made this gigantic circus arena with no roof. So that was my way to get around that. So it's just, it's difficult to get past a lot of these things. So we finally managed the way to do it in New Jersey. So now I still always had this idea of wanting to have a structure, and I had a, what it would look like in my head. So when my wife showed it to me that day. Honestly, it honestly seemed like it had come out of my mind onto the computer screen. I'm like, oh, my God, there's, this is a house that I've always thought of. I like my dark carnival, but this was this was where we always wanted to be. This was the goal. And then when I saw the the history with the it's a haunted history the reality is that caused the price to be significantly lower so now this makes the house more affordable and the legend of the house just acts as more of a draw for the attraction so i mean right off the bat i i would anticipate a very good turnout the first season
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that you're going to get uh, such a a, a cross-section of people who are interested in it for a variety of different factors. And I'm sure, you know, through Edwin and through the the people who have helped Edwin with the caretaking of the house while he's not been living there, Christina and the crew over there, uh, I'm sure they can help you in terms of the paranormal community and who's around that can help you in that regard. And and we're always here for you in that regard as well. But some people that I definitely will introduce you to are the local – haunt community you know we have a number of haunted attractions here in the state and over our 10 years now being on the air we've made acquaintances with a lot of them uh and i don't know if you i'm sure you know being in the business you've seen the film the american Scream*, the yes. documentary yes we broadcast from the town where that movie was filmed where those where those haunts are so we are tied in with those guys as well and, and manny and victor and and matt and uh, his dad so you know we can introduce you to that whole haunt community which can help you spread the word as well i think we just lost him
2: I think so too. We lost him.
0: Um... Uh oh. I think that was a disconnection. I don't think I said anything that would have had him say like, "No, <laughs> stop trying to help me, damn it." <laughs> I, I think the, I think that was just a drop call. That happens uh, more often than not with uh, with cell phone connections uh, these days. So hopefully he'll give and us a our call back. studio. Hey, I'm not going that far yet. We did. We've had some technical <laughs> issues tonight, but we seem to be getting them under control. We're overcoming them. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, Rappo calls back in, and uh, but it sounds to me like this is going to be one of those things where it's going to appeal to a variety of different people.
1: I like the idea that he's going to put money into it, and he's heartfelt about doing the restoration. I think that's going to be, you know, welcome news to a lot of ears.
0: And you can hear the the passion in his voice for rescuing the property, you know, for, for bringing it back to its former glory and, and what it should be. Uh, so you can you can hear that, that they're excited for that challenge.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it is a long road to haul for him. I, I, I admire his tenacity of wanting to do it, but uh, we'll see what the end results are once he's finished. Well, I
0: mean, I, I think it's going to take a while. I mean, with anything, with any restoration, I mean, look at Lizzie Borden's too, yeah. how long that has uh, been in in constant... You know, that it's constantly. Uh, uh, we've been dealing with lizards
1: for years, and, and that's been an evolution. Leanne's been
0: constantly making just little adjustments. Even now, now that she's got everything the way she wants it, she, there's always something else that she wants to change. I think we've we've got Rocco back. Uh, you you with us again, Rocco? Yeah, I lost you there. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. I was like, you know, I've had people hang up on me before, but not usually when I'm offering <laughs> to help them with things. So. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. sorry, I turned you guys' mics down because you were dealing with issues. So. so we were
2: hoping we didn't offend you, Rocco.
5: Oh no no that
2: is all <laughs> by being overly helpful.
1: <laughs> now I have a question for you, Rocco. If you yes. want to help assuage a lot of fears with uh, people in the paranormal community, because they all have their own mm-hmm. viewpoints of what they think the house should be in, you know, having access in the process of your doing restoration. Do you think it would be possible for you to set up a website and put webcams throughout the house as you're doing the restoration so people can watch for activity? Because that's one of the things that's usually uh, said about paranormal activity is it heightens when there's work being done to the house.
5: Well, that's actually something that we have thought about. Believe it or not, some of my family members are in that business of... uh putting up webcams so I've already spoken with my nephew who's in that business about coming in and doing that my only concern was there's an issue with having webcams in a house that you use for rentals Right. so I'm just trying to figure out a way how they can be disabled or proven that they're disabled when it actually comes time to up the rentals so I'm, even, even I'm referring family, well it's going to be pricey. what
1: no I was referring while you're doing the reconstruction Oh yeah I,
5: yeah. I mean I understand but um if I put it if I you know absorb the cost of putting in the webcams I, I kind of wanted them to be I, it's something I've been bouncing around in my head to be honest with you I don't know whether or not during rentals if I could even have cameras in a common area in the house I was just floating all these ideas in my head out, but that's definitely something we're considering right. doing.
0: I mean, Lizzie Borden's does it and they have a subscription service for people that mm-hmm. want to subscribe, so it's a good money-making opportunity, but, the, you know, they're being a bed and breakfast, they have areas that are always common areas, whereas with your model, you'd be renting out the house and then you would have the expectation of privacy. So, you know, maybe it's something that you can, you know, figure out, but at the very least, it's certainly worth documenting the process, uh, yeah, just, just for I, whatever my I agree,
5: might 100%.
2: It'd be worth it for you know if you had people subscribe. It can probably help toward the cost of restoration for the next year, and then once it it's a rental, then you can stop the webcams from there. But it'll well more than well pay for itself.
5: We we know how as well. Now this might be my again lack of knowledge on the subject matter, but would would a typical webcam camera pick up? Things that you would want to see, or is that some sort of special camera? That no. yeah, if
1: something goes flying across the room, it's going to pick it up. Yeah, and you it's could do it with a. You could just go to like Walmart
0: and buy a, a, a night vision security system for a couple of hundred bucks, and just wire that into a into a laptop that's streaming it out over the internet. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can. We'll we'll give you some ideas, uh, certainly off the air, with uh, some different ways that you can approach it. Because we actually have on our show, we run this thing on a wing and a prayer with four webcams, a laptop, <laughs> and a video switching program that makes it look like we actually know what we're doing.
4: We really don't know what we're doing, though.
0: Well, yeah, we got a person behind the, the laptop tonight for the first time ever, and you'd never know the difference. It's like Steven Spielberg's in the studio with us. <laughs> so we can certainly help in that regard. Well, anything that we can do to help you and help spread the word, just keep us updated uh, with the progress as how things go, because you know we're down here, kind of in the Cape Cod, you know, uh, south coast of Massachusetts area so we can be a good voice for you down this neck of the woods to let people know what's going on up there in Gardner as as things progress.
5: Yeah, I mean, like I said, since I'm new to this, I appreciate any help I can get. And um, like I said, I'm I'm new to this paranormal industry as well.
3: Yeah,
0: well, you know, come up here. We'll take you on a couple investigations, whether it be in your house or, or one of ours, and we'll get your feet wet.
2: Yes, definitely.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with everything. And uh, we'll certainly be following along with the progress.
1: Thank you very
5: much for having us
0: on. All right. Have a great night. Bye. And that is Rocco Conti. He is the new owner of the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner and also the Dark Carnival down in New Jersey. So why don't people, I mean, if you're looking for something to do this Halloween season, why not take a road trip down to New Jersey, check out the Haunted Carnival. You can meet Rocco and his wife, get an idea of, you know, the, the way that they put on, the haunt, obviously not being the same theme, but Mm -hmm. you get an idea of how they do it. And then you'll have an idea of what to expect, uh, when things come to Gardner. So we are just about up against the news break. We will stop and take a break for the news when we come back on the other side. I want to get into the topic of exorcisms. Now, Stephanie, you have an insight into spirits (laughs) that the rest of us don't have. Right. So you have a little, you have discernment that we don't have right monies i know that you've dealt with cases over the years that in some cases you feel like they could have been demonic or that they were in other cases the people felt that they were but they probably weren't you know they so had issues yeah. we can get into a lot of that as well uh and of course we'll take your calls 508-996-0500 back in a moment Welcome back, Hour number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg, along with Stephanie Burke, Lauren Allison, and the science advisor, Matt Moniz, silent assassin Matt Costa has the night off. And we are talking about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night, and this is the time of the show where, you know, we can, because we're in the 11 o'clock hour now, so we can kind of let our hair down a little bit.
4: Yay, I love to let my hair down
0: she says as she keeps her hair tied back. But the, uh, you know, we, we've had some fun. Now, a couple of weeks ago, when we had our guest on June Lundgren, we were talking about uh, the demonic, and we were talking about removing demons, and because the show started late because of the Red Sox, we actually pushed late. We went into the midnight hour, so we were talking about this kind of stuff, you know, in the supposed witching hour. I was like, if we get to 3 a.m., forget it. There's no way I'm talking about this stuff at 3 a.m., but, uh, you know, we'd like to welcome...
4: Why wouldn't you want to talk about it at 3 a.m.?
0: Because 3 a.m., according to some people, <clears throat> especially if you watch Paranormal State, but some people think that 3 a.m. is the time when activity is especially heightened. Oh, is
4: that why most people go on, like, those things, the paranormal investigations at like...
0: Look, you should you should kind of just at least pretend, like, you know, a little bit more about the <laughs> events that we plug on the show, you know? <laughs> So basically, cut
2: Lauren's microphone. No.
0: <laughs> we can, we are done, you're done. No, but yeah, the idea is that, you know, when you hit that time, uh, because three is kind of mocking uh, the Holy Trinity, That the, the demonic will use three as a way to mock the Holy Trinity, which is why they say 3 a.m. is when, you know, the especially darker forces come out to play. But the question that I have about that is why 3 a.m. and why not 3 p.m.? That is true. Three is a, It's also a three. And also, why not? It you know, why does it have to be three p.m. Eastern time? What it's it's could be three a.m. anywhere, right? You know? so all the stuff that comes into play that I don't buy into it. But still, I wasn't really comfortable with the idea of being on at three a.m. talking about that stuff. Although that being said, if you know, they ever wanted to make this an overnight show and. Oh, my God, you know, that would pay be us such, so fun. I'd certainly be down with that. But uh, one of the things that we talked about uh, in that show was the idea of exorcisms. And, well, not so much exorcisms in the way that our guest at the time, June Lundgren, does it in, in her removal of demons. But exorcism is something that we have touched upon here and there on the show. And I want to get into that discussion in just a few minutes. But I want to let everybody know about a couple of things. First, we were mentioning in the first hour, we have the shout-out procedure, if you'd like to get a shout out, you can just use the hashtag SpookyLive on Twitter or tweet to us directly at SpookySC. Let us know who you are and where in the world you're listening from and let us know you know how long you've been listening to as well. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be listening live to do it. You can do it anytime during the week. If you're listening on the podcast, just use that SpookyLive hashtag or tweet us at SpookySC and we'll be able to see it and uh, and we'll retweet it. We'll let the world know who you are if you let us know who you are. Sounds, sounds like a fair deal, right? doesn't cost you anything. Just 140 characters of your time. And I'm actually very, very close to hitting my 10,000th personal tweet. And I th- I think I'm going to try and hit it during the show tonight. Uh, let's see. I'm at 9,959. Oh, so can happen. That means I have what? 45, 41 left? That doesn't seem right. I thought I was down to five. Earlier. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, but uh, we might... Uh, Maybe if we just stay on all night, we'll finally reach that. Yeah, out. I don't know if I'm going to we we'll go that s- We'll far. stay
4: on until 3 a.m.
0: I do have one shout-out that I want to send out there, though. I want to say hi to Angie, who is a new listener to the show, listening to the first time live tonight, so welcome aboard. Uh, we also had some first-timers listening to the Saturday morning show this morning as well, my general talk show, who were tweeting me asking why I wasn't talking about ghosts. Really? i like, you have the wrong show. I talk, so about that, I talk about that stuff at night, and they say, well, it is night where we are because, you know, WBSM is a worldwide signal through the Internet and through the Radio Pup app. Right. So we welcome you. We welcome you no matter where you are, even if you don't understand what we're saying, even if <laughs> English is like your fourth language. Keep tuning in. It makes us feel good. Right. And, of course, uh, you can always watch us on Spooky TV at com as well. Uh, that's where you can see all the different cameras and everything that's going on here in the studio. And I was talking with the digital team here at the station. And there's some, some discussion about an upgrade to the technology here in the studio that we'll be able to integrate into our Spooky South Coast broadcasts down the line. So... Look forward to that getting a little bit uh, better as well because, you know, as of right now, it's just whatever. Fancy. Yeah, we we, we were dependent on donations. Our listeners donated the money for us to go out and get this equipment. Right. And we thanked them for it. So, But as anybody with technology uh, in their background knows, you can't rest on it because eventually there's something better and bigger that you'll need. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we're talking about, Stephanie, because you were the one that got us into the whole Periscope thing. Okay. One of the things that we're discussing is, this came up a lot last week at Ocean State Paracon, Mm -hmm. when teams were coming up to me and saying, when are you doing the Bridgewater Triangle show this year? We want to take part. Right. And one of the things that I said to them was, like, it's going to be a requirement this year that if you want to be part of this event, if you want to be part of the Bridgewater Triangle, somebody on your team has to be periscoping. I like that. And we can, because you can re-periscope, you can rebroadcast somebody's broadcast. Um, so we want to make sure that people are all involved in that, and that we can. Because we've been Matt and I have been talking for years. How can we make live video happen right. during the Triangle Investigations? And Periscope's the way to do it.
3: Yep.
0: Uh, so we want to be able to do that. Now I'm looking into the possibility of not carrying it necessarily 100% live, and seeing if we can't bring it back up through the computer onto Spooky TV. Because then we could actually, you know, they, if they wanted to use Meerkat, we could use Meerkat. If they wanted to use YouNow, we could use YouNow. But at least whatever they use, we could bring it in mm-hmm. into that way. But I have emails out to our service that we use to see if they have in, plans to incorporate that technology at any point. But worst case scenario is we'll have Periscope and we'll just keep sending it out through our Twitter and through our Periscope.
2: Yeah, I think that's a better idea. Because, I mean, what if you're sitting out there and nothing happens and we have 45 minutes of a Periscope of...
0: But the key is, like, we're just going to be checking in with them at certain times. Like, we're not going to keep resending out the entire broadcast because we're going to have, you know, six, seven teams that are actually broadcasting. But each individual team can keep their broadcast going the entire time. So people can keep going in there and checking out what it is that they're doing. So it, you know, it'll be a great promotional tool for them and for their group and for the way that they investigate as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the technology of the world is finally catching up to what we envision. See that? For the Bridgewater Triangle show.
2: So when are we doing
0: that? Uh, we have to pick a date because uh, there's...
2: We get busy season coming up big time.
0: And not only that, but there's some interesting things happening with the Bridgewater Triangle documentary right. that those dates have kind of um, mm-hmm. been in flux. So that has been uh, in flux for what we're doing. But as of right now, on September 5th, and I put the call out for Aaron to join us, but I I, I haven't heard so back call from him. him. Uh, so the,
2: the <laughs> just surprise <laughs> him on air. Let's call him.
0: I, I do. I I want to make a qu- quick clarification that uh, we were talking with uh, with Rocco Conti earlier. It's actually his name is Rob Conti. Okay. Rocco is just a nickname that he uses through social media so but his name is Rob Conti so I uh, want to correct that and uh, and maybe you know through the magic of, of editing maybe I'll go back and fix that in the show afterwards but uh, Rob Conti thank you for joining us uh, but in terms of the bridgewater triangle documentary uh, it currently is airing the plan is September 5th that will be the destination America premiere now for those of you who haven't seen the film yet it will not be airing in its entirety. It's only going to be a one-hour version of the show, which means it's really only going to be about 44 minutes of the show. So you're going to see a condensed version with a lot of stuff that will be cut out. And Aaron and I have been talking. We kind of have an idea of what will be cut out from it, just based right. on, on what they're trying to present under the, guise, uh, under the title of America's Bermuda Triangle.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That will be the title of the program. But it will be the Bridgewater Triangle documentary in a condensed form. So the idea is that we're going to have a uh, Aaron and Manny are throwing a big premiere television premiere party. Right. And it's going to be happening at Christopher's and Raynham, And it will be an all-night thing. You can come. You can see the entire documentary uncut, the whole 90-minute version of the film. Some of the cast will be there for Q&A afterwards. Carlson Wood will be there performing some songs. And they'll also be, at 10 o'clock, when the show goes live on Destination America, that's when we're all going to shut up and sit and we're going to watch the televised version of it. And it's it's going to be big. I, we're planning on having some social media stuff going on during it. Uh, people will be able to watch on Periscope during the event and see, you know, we'll have some interviews with some of the luminaries that will be there. We'll have interviews with Aaron and Manny. We'll talk about it. We'll have the premiere of Stephanie's television commercial.
2: Woo-hoo. I didn't know if that was, like, still a secret or not, but cat's out of the bag now. Well,
0: at, at the, listen... We're promoting this because people are going to want to tune in to see this. You do realize that this is not a local commercial.
4: I know.
2: Stop. This is a
0: national commercial.
4: I'm going to hide. Steph, you're going to be on nationally. Woohoo!
0: As national as Destination America is. Now, I work for two television shows on that network, and I can tell you I have family members that are like, I don't get that channel. I
2: know.
0: And I say, well, then subscribe to the packet. No, they just don't offer it where I live. So, you know, it's only going to be. At most, oh, no big deal. Probably about you know maybe uh, probably two two and a half million tops.
4: Yeah, that's not mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah.
0: Stuff. yeah, so I'm good. Thank you. Well, I mean, you have got four I'm times that out. listening right now.
4: Hmm.
0: So you don't have you don't have to worry.
4: Yeah, see, so we're almost gonna be syndicated.
0: So yeah, you don't have to worry at all. That that's gonna be. Plus, it's already done. I mean,
4: You're
2: digging deeper and deeper.
0: What are you going to do? It's already done. I know
2: it's already done. If
0: people have already seen it. It's already out there. It's on YouTube. It's on the site. People can go and check it Stuff. out. It's so
4: scary. Don't be scared.
0: Listen, it mm. came out great. Anything that, did. that she Aaron did amazing. shoots, anything she did. Aaron shoots will come out perfect.
2: I know. He's really, so. really talented. I um,
0: He made me look good I'm just a in that documentary.
2: critic, and I'll be hiding under a table when that airs.
4: No, you won't, because I'll be there to watch. Just
2: it with have you. some drinks.
0: Actually, we want you to be the <laughs> social go. media host.
4: I'll just drink. We want
0: you to be interviewing people on Periscope, and we right. want you to be kind that's of that's okay. Out I can do that. That
4: doesn't bother me. But you can also have some drinks as well. Oh yeah, drinks definitely. And
0: then Moniz, I don't know how much of a celebratory mood he'll be in, but uh, maybe maybe he'll uh, be whipping out the um, gold Schlager, and we'll, <laughs> we'll have a little bit. Maybe we'll do a little bit of a <laughs> backyard podcast type format as well. We will, because people have been asking for that. We- you. You're not familiar with the Backyard Podcast? No, That's I'm not. Symptomous. We've only done it a couple of times. Is
4: that in like the dark of night?
0: It is. We we That's basically awesome. we don't we don't go on the air. It's a night when we're off the air, but we go meet up somewhere. We set up all of our remote recording equipment, and we drink kind of a lot, and then we talk about the paranormal.
4: That's awesome. I'm so down for that. We,
0: we did the first <laughs> one, and the first one was. In our first couple of months of being on the air. And you can go and check it out. If you search on Google, Spooky South Coast Backyard Podcast, you will find it. And it was, you know, we we weren't expecting it to turn into what it turned into. We thought we were going to grill some burgers, have some beers, goof around, and that was going to be it. But we started to get really serious. Maybe it was the drinks talking, but we started to get really serious.
1: (laughs) And then a fire started.
0: No, the fire started before we got serious. True. But we, maybe it was that brush with death that made us <laughs> <laughs> when the grill caught on fire. Well,
2: you guys did the impromptu one last year when I couldn't make it, so.
0: Right. That was, uh, so Jeff But in, in that first one that we did, you know, we, we shared our own personal experiences and what got us into this. Mm-hmm. So it, it struck a chord with a lot of people. Right. That and the fact they could hear us swear for the first time. So that Thank was you. kind of uh, a, a big joke. Dr- people always ask us to do another one. So last year, for Jeff's 40th birthday, we met up at his house. And we planned on doing another drunken backyard podcast. We and what can happens. always
4: do that at it, my house. It, it turns serious.
0: Well, this guy lives on an island, so we could go to his island and do it. Yeah, no,
2: there's weird animals out there.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, it, we'd be interviewing what? Bigfoot and Chupacabra weird on and people the air. too.
4: Well, wait a minute. What island is this? Go Island?
0: <laughs> the the island of Doctor Moniz. Right, it's, it's
4: a secret location. All
0: of his, all of his. Experiments, past experiments. Wait a minute.
4: Is it actual? It's an actual island? Yes. It's what's known
1: as a tidal island, yeah. Do, when,
4: I ha- do we have to get there by a
1: boat? No. There's a dirt driveway that goes out there, but when you get high tides and moon tides, the driveway goes underwater.
0: And when it's wintertime, you're just stuck there because it's like a toboggan ride <laughs> yeah. trying to go down it. But anyway, but anyway that's a Well, goal. we can
4: take a boat because I know Steph really would be probably into my uh, my house. No, you're the new one.
0: Oh, no, she, she's been trying see? to get us to do it at her house forever. Yeah, I have the perfect. Listen, the next for house we're going oh, to. Oh,
4: okay, we could totally go to your house. The next too. house
0: we're going to to do a show is Anne Marie's house. I got like three so, requests from people on social media I this week went. to go and do a show there, do, do a show live from me. there. So now I'm talking about a broadcast.
3: All right, so so let's that's do
0: that's been something that people have been talking about. But anyway, speaking of talking about things, I, uh, I want to get into this topic a little bit about exorcisms and demonology tonight because it seems to me that it's becoming more. Pre- now, Stephanie, you have people that reach out to you mm-hmm. because of your abilities and because of your insight with those abilities. Right, Monies, you have people that reach out to you when they have cases that they want to have investigated, whether it be having you come out or through the network of people that you talk to. Yeah. I will ask both of you, Stephanie, you first. do You see. A rise in people saying that what they're dealing with they think is demonic.
2: Yes, because of media.
0: So you think that the television shows and the attention that's paid to that is what's contributing yeah, to Yeah, and us. they
2: hear things that they think that they can hear on EVP and everything else. And, I mean, how many times have we all heard, I got an EVP that said, get out. Right. Or I had an EVP that growled at me.
0: Which, if I'm a ghost and I can convey my Oh, I'm so voice, telling people to get out. That's, I'm doing get out and yep. a growl every single time.
2: Yep, every time. So...
0: It's, it's like going on an Andrew Dice Clay show and he doesn't do the nursery rhymes. You know, it's like, it's part of it. You, you right. expect it. it. doesn't matter if he's got new material. You still got to hear the old standbys.
2: So I think people, and you have an entire separate group of people that just want so badly to become famous because of their house. So they want somebody to come out and film their house for national television that they will claim they have anything. So what people don't realize is demonic cases are actually super rare. And when you do come across them, you are dealing with something that you could have never imagined in a million years, and something that you never would want to claim that you are. When doing.
0: you walk into to a place, do you know if what is in there is a demonic? Yes. And how do you know?
2: I, actually, that's a really good question. I don't know. Because
0: um, I know that you know if my grandmother is standing behind me, you can see my grandmother,
2: right? Um, I guess it's just a feeling, but most most of the time, I guess I can say like a, a human trigger. Um, like a a human-type thing that we all deal with. Like, if I'm in a place where there's either negative or demonic energy, I get an instant headache. Um, depending on the level of the headache, I can kind of tell. Um, but it, it, I can see them. I can hear them. So
0: you will see, like, a physical representation? Yep. I mean, does it look like something out of, you know, like, Renaissance artwork?
2: The first one I ever saw that I ever dealt with was actually in my house. Um, and it was because of a... A psychic that didn't know what they were doing. And, um, my mom had gotten red and they never closed down the reading. When you open up a portal, anything can come through if you leave it open long enough. So, um, it kind of looked like, um, anybody that's seen Harry Potter, it looked like a Dementor. Um, and it physically blocked out my nightlight. That's what I remember. And I remember having to deal with it myself. And my grandmother actually had just passed and she was telling me from the other side how to get rid of it. That was my first demonic experience. So I kind of, um, when people claim that type of thing and people, you know, Oh, I'm dealing with a demon or I'm dealing with this or I'm dealing with that. That was just my first one. Um, I've seen more than I think more, most people have because people call me to help me with them. But it's really aggravating when you have dealt with that and you have like felt that true fear and dealt with like a demonic experience that, uh, People just throw it around like it's nothing. So. Is, you, oh, I'm sorry.
0: So I'll go ahead if you have a question. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Do you?
4: So does it look like the devil? That's my question. No, no,
2: no. It does, Is it? No. Ev- everything that people claim, like things look like they don't, that's just a human representation.
4: Is it? Do they just like look look like normal
0: people? No.
2: Like I just said, it it looks like. A Dementor from Harry Potter,
0: but really, that's so weird. And also, though, like the way that everybody perceives something is different. Like exactly. I mean, really, the what we see is a physical You can correct me if I'm wrong on the science, but what we see is just the physical representation of how light is bouncing off solid matter. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about being able to have these visions, these, these this ability, this this clairvoyance to see things. You're not dealing with light bouncing off of solid matter. Right. You're dealing with kind of an energy impression.
2: Right. Like, I've I've seen some that look like a regular human form.
0: So I would think that because of its nature, because it's not dependent on the laws of physics, it can kind of appear as whatever it wants anyway, which it's is... like a
2: shapeshifter type what thing. What you hear. Um, I've seen some that, like, I mean, I've heard stories, but I've dealt with personally that... Um, they take shape of a child. That's the most common um, that I've heard. That and is so
4: creepy.
0: It is. That's the one thing that scares me. Yes.
2: And I've talked to a few people that I personally trust that have dealt with it on my level that have dealt with um, children, which are not really children.
0: So that having that ability of discernment, of being able to tell and be able to see, that's one thing. Now, Moniz, you... You know, for you, you're more based in the physical. Uh, and how do you know when you're getting involved in a case? I mean, first of all, there must be some common traits that people are reporting to you that make you think that that might be something that you're dealing with so that you can kind of prepare yourself for that going in. But how do you know when what you're dealing with is something inhuman or something demonic?
1: Uh, it's hard to put into words. He calls uh,
0: me. <laughs> Come on down and let me know what you
1: think. I mean, 99% of the stuff that I've had to deal with have been more people with, uh, I'll call them, personal issues. Okay, it's not necessarily that they're possessed by anything demonic other than what's rattling around in their own head, and certain medications. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> seriously, that's, I mean. That's
2: actually like a thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I just recently had somebody trying to push a similar case like this again. It, it's more, um, like I said, psychological. There has been a handful, and I, when I say handful, over the past 30 years that I've dealt with something that's been extremely, extremely negative. Do I call it a demon? I, I would only put, that, put it in that context for labeling purses. Purposes, not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know. Yeah, some, it's
2: negative, it's negative.
1: Yeah, but. Right. yeah that's, I mean, that's one of the things that came up in discussion this week is
0: that demonic is kind of a Judeo-Christian term to put on it. Or right. if you want to go back to, you know, it's also Greek, if you want to go back that far as yeah, well. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of like the way that we classify it, mm-hmm. we classify it with a very Judeo-Christian aspect to it. So that, you know, we're, we're putting this name on it we're, we're, and we're putting
1: this history on it. With something that is probably older than anything that we can fathom. Well, these things go back well before Judeo-Christian yeah. right. belief started. So, it's but just, I mean, just the term "demon," though. Right.
2: It it basically just goes back to like when people actually started recording it, because it's been a long, I mean, it's been around forever. But there's also like a wide spectrum. Moniz, I'm sure you'll agree. Like the way I deal is. When I, when I do readings for people and table tipping and things like that, I tell them that the amount of protection that I, I put out there and I do, even a cranky relative can't come through mm-hmm. just because I like to keep it, you know, it's, it's an experience for the people that are there to have like a love light, like happy situation. You have cranky relatives when you walk into a place, then you have like mischievous kind of things. Then you have, you know, like really, you know, negative, angry spirits, and then you start going into the total like elemental Darkness. inhuman I don't know how long this has been here type of Yeah. Thing. Like that, all of that like I, I pretty much classify as like an elemental. You don't know.
1: And it, not all element all elementals they're are not, bad. But
2: yeah. there's the other half of them that
1: Right, just like all people. Not right. all people are good, not all people, people are, are bad. That's yeah. when
2: you get into like the inhuman was never a human.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wonder, I mean,
0: and I've talked with this at uh, great length both on the air and off with Keith Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, who is kind of my go-to guy for all things mm-hmm. demonology. But we've had this conversation in the past where, you know, he says that there's this whole classification mm-hmm. and the names and the levels and the, yep. the circles of which they operate and all of that. But I wonder how much of that is us putting a name on these things. Because a dog is a dog. If If a dog exists out in the wild, that dog is the dog. That dog doesn't have its personality and classification until we it's bring canid. it into our home and give it a give it a name. It's a canid.
1: Canids are just a family of animals.
2: Right. But I think we we cre- we created or we came up with a way to label them, name them, classify them right. because you have to know what you're
1: up against. And
0: create them. Yes. I I certainly think that this could all be one great dark energy that we have kind of segmented into individual entities.
4: Um I was just gonna say that obviously I'm not uh, a paranormal investigator, so I've never had, you know, a chance to You're gonna
0: volunteer to bring the demon home tonight?
4: <laughs> no, but um I definitely do believe in that kind of thing. And um I've had some of my own like experiences so with you demonic belie- things. You believe
0: in it though from your religious background? I mean
4: Not not even just from my I, that's part of it, I guess you could say, but it's not everything. Because I
0: have zero religious background, so for me, uh, I don't know enough of it to say if my belief in this comes right. from any kind of. You know, I, I just look at it like this. People tell me all the time, oh, if there's the light, there has to be the dark. If there's the good, there has to be the bad. There
2: has to be a balance, yes. But yes. I don't. I
0: don't agree with that. Though I do. No, because we're, we're, it's still good and bad. It's still a human construct. Yes. Because even amongst human beings, good is different.
2: But when you look them in the face, you know. But you haven't done that yet.
0: But still, you're looking them in the face. You're knowing the way that you've categorized what's good and bad.
2: Yes, but it also comes off of like, okay, when you're in a room with a bunch of people, right, and you're sitting in a room, do you automatically know... I can't swear on the air, so I'm going to have to say this in the nicest way possible, because otherwise you know how I would say it to you. You're sitting in a room full of people, and you know the jerk in the room, automatically. Right. Why do you know the jerk? Oh, because how usually you know- it's me. Besides you. <laughs> okay, alright. On a serious note, All right. yes. how do you know he's the jerk?
0: Uh, just the sense that you get. Okay, then. But to that jerk, that jerk thinks that he's a great guy, that everybody likes being around him.
2: Right, but you're going off of your own feeling. Right, it's something that you've But it's your
0: feeling and it's your perception. But it doesn't mean that it's universal. Because you feel like he's a jerk. It doesn't mean that everybody else that's in that room feels like he's a jerk, too. So you to
4: tell me that if something comes off as evil, you won't classify it as evil?
0: I'm not saying that. I won't for the purpose of classification. I'm just saying that I think that evil is something that we've come up with to to, to to classify it. You know
2: the feeling that you get. If there are no classifications, there's no labels, there's nothing. You're looking at something... Like, Moniz, I'm sure you've been closer to this, like what I'm trying to describe, than most. I, I but got where you're going. When you go off of your own bodily function, bodily you know, feelings, Instincts, everything.
1: Instincts, innate instinct, yeah.
2: And you're looking at something in the face, you know exactly the type of feeling that you're getting. I happen to be more sensitive than most people, so maybe you can't understand what I'm trying to describe, so I'm trying the most human way possible to, to bring this to you. But when there's something, I don't even care if it's... It, if it's dressed up like a lollipop and it's giving you a bad feeling, but
0: like, that's still your—it pers- is.
2: But when it's that to that extreme, dark or light, you know, no. there's no way you can't know. Unless you're totally, you know, Nighty. shut off. I mean, I'm not. Light.
0: I'm not. I'm not discounting what you're saying. I know. I'm just I'm, I'm just trying
2: just, to explain to you. I'm what opening you it up mean. to
0: see if you know. I'm just yeah. trying to figure out exactly what level of. Human influence is dictated into I this. I
2: think, I mean, like we just discussed, I think there's a great deal of human influence when people are like, oh my god! And it's usually really religious people that are like, oh, it's so evil, you have to get it out of my house. And it's just a spirit that needs to be crossed over. And you have little things like that, and I can fix that in three seconds and walk out. But when you have something like you were saying you had an experience, I'm telling you right now, if you had a demonic experience, you would probably be in the corner shaking, crying hysterically, and not know what to do to yourself, and not leave your house
4: forever, because that's the type of thing that happens.
2: When well,
0: and you it experience. also depends too. Uh, well, when thank
4: God then I haven't had right. one, but I've had some kind of a. Everybody has an experience. Everybody Sweet. comes
2: across. And also, it.
3: Well,
0: hold on now, because you're also, as you said, you qualified it. You're not a paranormal investigator. No. You're not somebody. You know, you're here because you have an interest in, in broadcasting. Right. And we brought you into experience that world. Then we're just taking you kind of on this paranormal journey,
4: which I love, by the way, because I am interested. Like I said, I've always been interested in paranormal. It's going to take a while to learn everything.
0: And, and by <laughs> no, well, I mean we're all still learning right. too. But in, in terms of of that, you know, not having that that background, not having that knowledge, we can go into a place where something might be a little hinky, and we're armed with enough knowledge and information and experience already to say that, you know, we might, we'll feel a lot more comfortable with that activity than you will, because you don't understand it, it's still an unknown for you, and really all that fear is, I gave a lecture last weekend on the nature of fear, and all that fear is, is being unfamiliar with the unknown right
4: it's the fear of the unknown it's the fear of the unknown i i would know that more than probably a lot of people because i deal with uh severe anxiety and that's my fear is the fear of the unknown
0: and and you know then that no matter what the fear is that whatever is giving you that anxious feeling it doesn't matter what the trigger is it's all the same physical response within your body so if you're you know i'm afraid of bees I'm afraid of heights, and I'm afraid of aliens. If you Mm -hmm. stick a bee or an alien in front of me or you dangle me off a 30-story building, it's all the same physical synapses happening in my brain. Mm -hmm. It's all the same physical symptoms happening in my nervous system. So no matter what, that's what it is. So some of us are able to dull that as we get more used to this and we lose that fear. You're still going to walk into it with the same approach that anybody that is experiencing it for the first time Of course,
4: because, I mean... I mean, this this is, this is goes without saying, but, like, I used to be terribly afraid of flying. Well, I do that so much now that it's no longer fear. Just like as maybe, you know, you guys going into these situations isn't so fearful anymore because you guys mm-hmm. have done them so much, you know, where it will be new for me.
0: But the, I <laughs> right. mean, also, I mean, we, we can kind of get into the nature of, of Facing fears as well, which is something that we 'll be talking about in the coming weeks when we can announce this uh, radio station event that we 'll be doing uh, but when when you 're facing those fears and you 're dulling that symptom a little bit, you know the important part is that you don 't lose the understanding of what that feeling originally was which is what i was talking about last week in my lecture because you know the 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 cool thing to do in the paranormal is to not be afraid you know you, you know you see the people on the television show say well if we're going and helping out a client then we can't be afraid because they're calling us because they're afraid so if we show that we're afraid that's unprofessional because then they see that we're afraid and they're the ones that called us you know what I'm pretty sure that there's been times that the animal control officers come to your house and said, I am not going under there and getting that gigantic-ass snake out from under your basement. I have to call in somebody else to help me with this. I'm pretty sure that there's times when even somebody who is the most you know experienced paranormal investigator has something happen to them that makes them feel uncomfortable. And I think that by trying to put on the tough guy act – and to uh, completely eliminate that fear. And I'm not saying things are gonna, going to scare you. A lot of the times when you do this a lot, it becomes mundane. And we go in and we see people do things, you know, even at events. They have the tiniest little thing happen to them. It's a world changer, a game changer for them. For us, it's mundane. So for us, it's like ho-hum. But we always try and do a good job of never losing what it felt like the first time it happened to us. Right. And I think that that's where paranormal investigators are failing the the quote-unquote client is because they're they're – In their quest to become the most professional, you know, unflappable team they can be, they're losing that aspect of why the person called them there in the first place. So if you, Moniz, you've been driving motorcycles longer than I've been alive, well, uh, mathematically speaking, almost as long as I've been alive, okay? (laughs) Okay. And when I first got my first bike, I went to you and said, you said, how's the bike riding going? I said, great, I just haven't gone on the highway yet. And you're like, but the highway is the best part. And I said, but I'm terrified of going on the highway. I'm scared of it. And you're like, I don't understand. What's the big deal? It's just going on the highway. Because you, first of all, were never afraid to go on the highway. And second of all, you've been doing it for so long that you don't even understand the anxiety that I feel.
1: I understand where you're going at now. Yeah. But uh, getting back to the fear thing, once you stop fearing something, that's when accidents Mm -hmm. will happen. Because you become. The fear is an inherent respect. Correct.
0: Right. If you tell me,
2: yep. Steph, I have a case for you. It's a demonic case, blah, blah, blah. Like This happened, I want to say, um, we'll say two years ago. And a very close friend that you guys might know called me and said, I have a demonic case that I'm working on and I need you. And I can't say I didn't poop my pants when I got that phone call. Like, okay, great, because I know what I'm up against. And if that person was calling me and telling me that she was dealing with this, I knew for a fact it's what it was um, from then on out. Our phone calls wouldn't connect. Nothing would happen. We weren't able to speak to each other. Like, it affects your entire life. It's not like you walk into somebody's house, you take care of it, and it's gone. It takes months and maybe even years of dealing with it, depending on the level of it. So, stuff like that, like, it's terrifying. And if you're not afraid of it, and you go into it, you do make mistakes. There is human error. You know, logically speaking, you can, Tim, you go to work every day. How many times do you cut yourself? You know what I mean?
0: Actually, not very often.
2: But it can still happen,
0: right? So I actually cut myself on the job for the first time since I started this job three and a half years ago the other day.
4: But you're still aware. That's
2: what. So you knew
0: you you must have known psychically that it happened. Maybe picked up on it. So,
4: but
2: bottom line is, it can still happen. Like everybody can screw up. You might be excellent at your job, but there's always going to be room for mistakes.
0: Right. And and as Moniz was saying, if you don't have that. You know, then. It's
2: not smart.
0: Yeah, complacency is not a great place to be. Right. Uh, but, I mean, and that's for your own safety and your own protection, but I still think that you need to have that level of compassion for people. And you don't, you don't have that level of, see, that's the thing, man. There's so many people that do this, that go out into people's homes and try to help them clear up whatever it is that they think that's going on, and they, they don't have the compassion because they feel like they need to be, Hardcore about things, and they feel like they need to be uh, very regimented and very scientific and or pseudo scientific or whatever. But they feel like they they can't show that compassion. That's why you call me and you say I got a personal case I got to do, and you know you're going to get involved. No, I can't get involved because I can't be there for the people. I just look like I'm the guy that's coming in to check out the cool stuff that's going on, and then I go home. Which is why I always recommend when there's an investigation that needs to be done and people contact me. I pass it off to a team or I pass it off to Moniz or you know some of the people that we work with because they can give the people that level of connection. And I think in these demonic cases, it's especially important because not only do you have to be there for them in terms of the activity that's going on you have to be a bit of an armchair psychologist right? because you have to see what's going on I know Moniz and obviously you can't give too many details but I know you dealt with a case once where the people were telling you demon, 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 demon and you came to the conclusion of there's something wrong with them them. not with anything paranormal I
1: I was just dealing with something this week same kind of thing Uh, this particular thing is uh, I'll call it what it is, it's it's a form of munchausen by proxy. Are you familiar with what that is? I am, but the audience may not be. Okay, munchausen by proxy is where a an adult puts upon their child a, a fictitious disease or a disease, you know, and then will do stuff to the child to well,
0: get. Well, look, just to clarify, not necessarily a fictitious disease, but what, a fictitious what, that they have a known
1: disease. Correct, and. um they're looking for moral support and attention because this poor child is sick. My child is sick. wound up being the same thing, uh, only except using something of a paranormal nature.
0: I mean, how many, we, we see this happen all the time. I mean, how many people will say now, and and this speaks more to the parental nature of the people in the room, those who are, than it does the paranormal side of things. But you see people that say all the time, well, my kid is, you know, my kid's ADD. Mm-hmm. Well, is your kid actually ADD? Was he diagnosed ADD? Or is your kid just out of control and you don't want to own up to the fact that you're a bad parent? You know, like we and see that people that are daily and, and or we see people that want to have they want their kids to, to have something
4: mm-hmm.
0: for whether it be for explanation or for attention or for what? Mostly attention. Well, But sometimes it's because, you know, maybe the kid's a bit of a jerk and you can't just admit that your kid's a jerk. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, it's because of this. You know, uh, and we see it happen all the time with people in the paranormal where they will say that, you know, this. they, they want to be part of it so much or they're so in, wrapped up in this, in the interest in this. And there's people who will call us up and say, I need you to come investigate my house. I know I have a ghost. Well, how do you know? Well, because I watch Ghost Adventures and I watch Ghost Hunters and I watch Ghost design and I know everything about this stuff and mm-hmm. I know that I have it. So that's kind of a red flag right there that, right. you know, the banging pipes in the basement are a ghost to them because they're so engrossed in that world. You know, it's like when i become so wrapped up in in some of the uh, you know, the work that i do like in sports and i'll start using sports terminology to explain things and people who don't know about sports will be like what are you talking about? Right. You know, it's like, but it's such a big part of what I do that it's an easy reference point for me, and it's kind of my first reference point in some regard. So I think that's what ends up happening. And I think that because now, as Stephanie said, in the media, the demonic has become so prevalent. Mm-hmm. And why has it become prevalent? The sad thing is, is it's really become prevalent because it's a story device more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's become, not a story device, like in terms of people are making it up, but like they're, they're less, television shows are less interested in focusing on. The first couple of Ghost Hunters seasons where people had paranormal activity in their home and you were coming in to explain why it was and why it wasn't, you know, that that they want to see the juicier stuff now. Right. Because it's it's become mundane
1: for the audience. What you're talking about is the demonic has become a vehicle for which they can peddle fear.
0: Uh, to some degree but i mean they're looking for actual real demonic cases so they want or something that could be demonic so it's not like they're saying like let's say that this is a demon they're saying can you go find us a family that thinks that they're getting plagued by a demon and so that's you know the kind of thing that will be and it's not just television shows either i mean that's what all the movie scripts are about now people aren't Putting out stories about, uh, you know, run of the mill ghosts. They're not putting out stories about, you know, dead grandparents that are coming back and being run. They're putting out stories that are about violent, angry, negative entities that are trying to take over children or take over houses or take over people and and are trying to inflict terrible things on people's lives. Right.
1: A vehicle for fear.
0: And in that case, in the case of the movies, it's absolutely a manufactured thing. One of the problems that comes about with that, though, is that. When that becomes, you know, when that becomes kind of the the nom de plume of everything that's going on, then the paranormal investigators that are out there feel like that needs to become what they know about and what they focus in. And I just feel like it's way too easy to say that you are going to become the demonologist for your team, you are going to become the exorcist for your area, and to jump into that without really knowing what it is that you are getting involved with. And I put out the question because we were looking for, I was looking for somebody in terms of some of the research that I'm doing on this topic, I was looking for some female demonologists, some female exorcists, and it seems to be there's no portion of that demographic. There's a few, but there's not a strong concentration of them. Most people who are in the demonology field that I found through my cursory research, it's mostly older white men. And I think that when you put that into play... I think bravado has to come into part of that. I think the male psyche has to come into that. I think the macho atmosphere around that job, around that career position, whatever you want to call it, that position for yourself, plays into some of that. I think we're seeing guys that want to be the badass.
2: Yes, but at the same time, maybe females don't get into it because they feel like that's not their route to becoming famous. Because, let's face it, every... Oh, well,
0: but I'm not talking about just the people that are looking for it. I'm talking about the people that are just doing the good grunt work in the field and aren't interested in the spotlight
3: either.
2: I think the people that are doing the good grunt work and that are actually doing this for truth and everything else aren't labeling themselves because that's not what we do.
0: Yeah, some people do, though. I mean, I know uh, uh, one of the first resources that I went to for this mm-hmm. is somebody that I know for a long time, was a practicing demonologist, Mm -hmm. studied under some of the most important... I didn't... wasn't going to name any names, but I went right to her because she's never sought the spotlight. Right. And I know that she would know similar people. And by the way, I just want to say, due to restrictions here on the air, uh, we are not allowed to... We're not supposed to plug Kickstarter and GoFundMe campaigns. Okay. Uh, But a a friend of everybody in the paranormal uh, recently lost her husband unexpectedly and is looking to help raise some of the final expense money so if you go to my personal facebook page you can find out more about that i don't want to break company rules by promoting that uh but this is i feel like we need to put a little good karma out for this person because of how much good karma she's given back to us Mm -hmm. Been a supporter of this show since day one spreading Mm -hmm. the word helping us out uh so I, i just i'll bend the company rule a little bit there and if they want to yell at me and i get in trouble for it that's fine but i i feel like that has to go out there but anyway moving on um but that's who I was looking to find is the people who are out there doing that work that aren't in the spotlight. And it's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing to find them. But it's amazing in terms of the demonology aspect of it. Mm-hmm. There are some people that feel like having any kind of spotlight thrust on them makes their work and their life harder.
2: It, it does.
0: Because they understand, they respect the fact that if I become the public face of this, what I'm doing now is too overwhelming for me to have to mm-hmm. deal with. You know, Keith is
2: over your life.
0: Keith and Carl are two of the only people that I feel like could, you know, because I mean, they're they're different people in the way that they approach it. Even though they're they're twins, they are different people in the way that they approach it. But I feel like you could go at Keith at any given time with a concern that you have from somebody, and he can take that problem and internalize it and not be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm overwhelmed right now with demonic right. stuff. I don't want to hear about another case. Some people are built for it like that. But there are some people that I know, they would have to throw up a wall and say, no, no. I've right. already got too much. It's already overwhelming me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm sure you deal with that a lot in just the regular work that you do, not even dealing with darker stuff, but at some point you say, nope. You gotta close that wall down for a little while. Yeah,
2: because it sucks up your energy. And as much as you're out there doing good for people, you still have the people that like to use and abuse whatever you do too. And I'm sure it's the same thing with demonologists or everything else. Like, I, I can only take so many requests. I can only take so many phone calls. I've, I have people that call me in demand. I don't give out my phone number for a reason. So when I know I'm getting a phone call for something like that, it's, they, they got it from somebody that knows me that doesn't realize it. But, um, They'll call, I need an appointment today, cause it's my birthday. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I have a waiting list. I have right. this or that, or I'm on maternity leave. People didn't care about maternity leave. That was an interesting subject. Um, I need it right now, or I need it this, or I need it that. And it's not a dire situation. If it was an emergency situation and something happened, I'd obviously try to help, but it's just out of people's own selfishness and that they, they want to do whatever their, their reasons are. They demand.
0: Well, I definitely want to continue this discussion somewhere down the line in the future, uh, and, and I think that we will explore this topic more. I mean, people want to hear, in, in speaking with the Spooky South Coast audience, they want to hear more of the stories right. that are out there more than the theory. Mm -hmm. they want to hear more about the people that are actually out there doing the work and Mm -hmm. and having these experiences and and Mm -hmm. what is going on so we're going to incorporate a lot of that uh going forward you know kind of getting back to as as i was telling you guys off the air you know kind of the real roots of what we did here on this show where instead of being a voice for the paranormal we were uh a show for people to learn about the paranormal right and i think we need to start getting into more of that and one of the things that we've been shortchanging on for a long time has been that darker side of things, which is where a lot of people are looking for uh, that information, both in an informative way and also because some people that are listening to the show don't believe in anything that we're talking about but just want us to scare the hell out of them before they go to bed on a Saturday night.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's nothing wrong with that, too. I mean, that that is also a great fear. The, the best thing I can say about fear is it's such a great emotional release. Mm-hmm. That when you experience it, and then when it's over, that it's such a great feeling that I think people are chasing after that a lot of the times, and some of them listen to the show for that. So thank you to all of you. Thank you to all of you for listening all the time. Again, we would love for you to reach out to us on Twitter, at uh, SpookySC. Use the hashtag spooky live. Let us know who you are, where you're listening from, and let us know uh how long you've been listening to the show. And I'll tell you what. If... We get enough over the course of the week. I'll pick out a random one. You know, we'll just throw everybody's name into a hat. We'll pick out a random one. We'll send you a spooky South Coast bumper sticker. Cause we still sued. We still, do still have a few. See that? So uh, we'll we'll ship one out to you. So just mm-hmm. do that. And we are not going to be here next week because we have a Legend Trips event. We'll be at Slater Mill. You can join us by going to LegendTrips.com and getting one of the few remaining tickets. Uh, but we'll be back in two weeks with another show. So until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Lauren, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.